Good morning, church. Good morning. Happy, Sabbath. Happy Sabbath. We're Brother and Sister Morris, and we're asking for your prayers this morning as we lift up the Lord in song.
to our listening audience at station KKVV. Once again, you have taken the time to join us at Abundant Life Seventh-day Adventist Church. We are located at 1720 North J Street. We may be contacted at 702-647-2627. Our website is www.abundantlifelv. Org. Our speaker has been on fire with our focus on the family. Today, Pastor Russell Lewars will continue seeking guidance from the Lord as he speaks on the topic entitled Reconcilable Differences. As we prepare ourselves to receive the Word of God, let us call upon the Holy Spirit to fill our speaker with divine power. After the following selection, the next voice you will hear is that of our senior interim pastor, Russell Lee Wars. Hear ye him. Father, Son, 
Holy Ghost is he. They call him Jesus, my mighty rock. Oh, sweet Jesus. They call him Jesus, the King of Kings, lowly Jesus. No one else could ever do what he's done for me. And he is more than this whole wide world to me. is he they call him Jesus oh sweet Jesus oh sweet lowly Jesus oh King Jesus no one else could ever do what he's done for me and he is more than this whole wide world to me to me father son holy ghost is he the one and love and adore father son holy ghost is he he fights my battles father son holy ghost is he Doretha for accepting to lead our family life here at Abundant Life, for making the seminar possible. And thank you for those two numbers. Awesome. I want to thank everyone that has participated thus far. Help me, Brother Turner. And thank the musicians, everybody. And for you, church, for the way you have supported the ministry here at Abundant Life. I'm still getting some feedback here. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Shall we 
shall we pray. Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for his shed blood. Oh, Father, as I wrestle with this passage's subject, give me power from an eye. For I pray it in the matchless name that's above every name. Your name, Jesus. Amen. So, the book of Hosea. The book of Hosea, Deandra, right here. I want you to stay with me right here in this book because I'm going to go through it and we're going to dive into the subject today. I don't mean to waste time right now, so stay with me. Amen? All right. Have you ever asked yourself the question, why did I ever get married? Don't talk too loud. Don't answer publicly. Maybe it is something that you have already discussed publicly and openly. Why did I ever get married? How about this? Why did I ever get remarried? I got some youth. Young adults, why should I ever get married when slightly more than 50% of marriages and 60% of remarriages end in divorce? The truth is, the truth is that when couples get together, when they get together, their desire is to be seen for who they are and to be cared for. Husbands yearn for their spouses to understand them, fully understand them, to accept them, to love them, to appreciate them. The truth is that they want not only these things, but they, they want to be secure. They want to be protected from the pressures and the problems in the world. Sadly, though, that is not always the case. Most marriages, or a lot of marriages, are battlefields, battlegrounds where emotional safety has been hijacked, demolished by emotion, hot emotions and negativity. Kill this mic for me, please, Mr. Turner. Thank you. Kill this. Thank you. Mute. That's what I mean, mute. <laughs> Thank you. Negativity. That's where I was. Negativity, hot emotions, hijack our marriages, and a host of other things. Battlefields, battlegrounds. That's not what we planned for, was it? We were hoping for love 
and appreciation. The truth is that some couples stay together because it's cheaper. Divorces aren't necessarily cheap. Don't be fooled by the signs. So instead, instead of getting a divorce, Elder Pruitt, you keep your room, I keep mine, we share the bills. Because it's logical. Some people stay together for the kids. Stay together for the kids. But when they grow up, you better know, I'm gone, baby. It's over and out. In the passage today, in this passage today, but not only that, before I go there, not only that, some of us Christians, Adventist Christians, have come to accept that once the love has cooled, the emotional flame, the passion has been subdued, has grown cold, then it's time to jump ship. It's over. But God paints a different picture in Hosea. He says in Hosea chapter 1 and verse 2, he says, The Lord, when the Lord began to speak by Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, Go take yourself a wife of harlotry and children of harlotry. For the land has committed great harlotry by departing from the Lord. God paints a different picture. The world says it's over. Take a hike. God says no. I want to describe it this way. Reconcilable differences. We can work things out. Well, this is an unlikely marriage. A prophet and a prostitute? Pastor and a prostitute from downtown? <laughs> That's a hard one to swallow. And I come in the pulpit and I say, the Lord told me to do it. <laughs> God commanded me to go forth and call an escort and be one with her. I don't know about you men in the church, but I know about me. That's a hard one, a tough one to swallow. You know, I don't know if the ladies, if the ladies desire to know how many men their husbands, or how many ladies their husbands have been with. But I know that for the men, Eh, you can say I'm mature, it don't matter. But deep inside of you, you would like to know just how experienced your wife was in the before life. It's a psychological impasse for a man to knowingly marry a prostitute. You can hang with a prostitute. But currently, you know she is a prostitute. Take her home to mommy and daddy and say, this is my beloved. That's, that's a problem. If you don't know, well, you can work with that now, can't you? <laughs> Ignorance is not bliss, but if you don't know, 
Maybe it can happen. But when she drops the bomb on you, I guarantee <laughs> there are going to be some questions. God commands Hosea to take a prostitute and marry her. Kudos to Hosea for submitting to the will of God. He, do just, he does just that. He goes and he takes her and he marries her. And God, the Bible says, bless their union with a son, Jezreel. God sows his name means, which is ironic of what God would do to Israel. He would scatter them. Destruction was nigh. But look at this. Certainly immediately, right after the first child, things change in the marriage. I don't know if that's the reality, but things do change, you know. After the first kid, things change. They can either change for positive, or they can be changed for the negative. For Hosea and Gomer, things changed, unfortunately. She's restless, like a caged bird, unhappy in the marriage. While the prophet is preaching, Gomer is creeping. <laughs> Gomer is doing her thing on the side. While the prophet is preaching a message of return unto God. Gomer is out doing her stuff. She is creeping. There are a lot of things that couples, marriages can undergo, but an affair, I'm going to deal with it, an affair is a tough one. It takes the relationship to another level, you see. It cuts to the core. An affair is like an earthquake that rattles and shakes the foundation of the relationship, the foundation of emotional attachment. But Hosea, if you want your relationship to work, Hosea is saying this morning, you've got to submit yourself to God. You've got to be willing to submit yourselves first so that God can do something with your marriage. But you know, if you look at the Bible in this chapter here, the first child is described, Jezreel is described as being they, they, they got together and the child is born of Hosea, Jezreel. But when you look at Hosea 1, chapter 1 and 6, she conceived again and bears a daughter. And God says, name her Laruhamah, for I will have no more, I will no more have mercy upon the house of Israel. Then she conceived again. This time... She has a son, and the name of the son is Lomi, for ye are not my people, and I will not be your God. 
So first child is clear. It's clear. That's Hosea's child. But the other two, whose are they? We need a DNA test up in here. Where is Maury? Because these two kids are not Hosea's. She's been doing some stuff outside of the marriage. And here we have Hosea having to name the child, accept the love children. Can you do it? Could you do it? Help me, Lord. What could have triggered Gomer's escapades? Could it, could it, could it be critical remarks? Put-downs that devalued her? Could it be unfair and unreasonable requests in the marriage? Hosea asking her to do things she doesn't feel makes sense. Could it be cumulative aggravations, annoying, frustrating little things, leaving your dirty socks and shoes at the door? Could it be these little things, leaving your dirty plate on the table for your wife to pick up behind you? Could it be little aggravating things? And the answer, no, no, and no. It was all Gomer's fault. That's what the Bible says. I'm not being hard on Gomer. She is guilty as charged. She just didn't love Hosea's God. No wonder Hosea's contemporary Amos, in Amos chapter 3 and verse 3, he says, Can two walk together, church? unless they agree. Everything seems to go south from there, from an unlikely marriage to, unlike, to, to un, an unrelenting agony because now everything is in open. Everybody knows about the pastor's business, the prophet's business. It's out in the street. The church members are talking about it. The elders are counseling with him. And he has to live with this while his house is in a mess. Should he quit now? Hosea chapter 2 tells us of God's relationship. God's relationship with his unfaithful wife, Israel. He uses this story to tell, to tell, to use Hosea's marriage to Gomer as an illustration. He wants to teach us a lesson today. He pleaded with her, Hosea. Verse 2 and verse 2, look at that. Bring charges against your mother. Bring charges, for she's not my wife, nor am I her husband. Let her put away her harlotries from her sight and her adulteries from between her breasts. He's pleading with her. He threatened to disinherit her, but she still ran off with her lovers because they promised to lavish material things on her. He tried to stop her on occasion, but she continued to seek her companions in sin. 
Hosea wanted her back in loving forgiveness to try again. But her repentance is short-lived. Back out there, hustling on the street with her lovers again. Another new dude on her arm. Some say, the young people say, what? I would never do that. Kick her to the curb. It's over. He done me wrong. She did me this. It's over. Get the point. She doesn't want to stay with you. The old people say in the church, well, like an old 45 I had. Yeah, I know what a 45 is. It's my old stereo, you know. My first stereo, I bought it too. Worked for it and bought it. Old. And my neighbor had a 45. And he gave it to me. Some of the old folk remind me perhaps of what that 45 said. Instead of letting her go, it's a done deal. The old folk, they say, the men, they say, they say, when a man loves a woman, can't keep his mind on nothing else, he'll train the world for the good thing he's found. If she's bad, he can't see it. She can do no wrong. Turn his back on his best friend if he put her down. I want you to know Hosea wasn't blind. He felt everything. He was hurt. He was broken. But here is an example. An unlikely marriage. Unrelenting agony. But unrelenting, undying love. God's command comes again. Go again. Love a woman who is loved by her husband, yet an adulteress, even as the Lord loves the sons of Israel, though they turn to other gods. My heart reaches out to Hosea. God comes back and says, go do it again. We can't understand this kind of love unless we ourselves have experienced the love of God. We can't love as perfectly as this unless you have had an experience with Jesus. Ah, Christian husbands are commanded to love their wives as God loves the church. Hosea is driven by indestructible divine love. A love that bears all things. Huh? A love that believes all things, hopes all things, endures, I dare say, it, all things. A love that never ends. And he found her raggedy. Raggedy. Torn, dirty, sick, destitute, naked, chained to an auction block. Nobody wants her, even if she was offered for free. Can anyone love her now? But 
Somebody could. Somebody could. Hosea comes along. He comes into the marketplace. Though she's a repulsive shadow of the woman she once was in a filthy market, Hosea says, give her to me. He bought her from slavery. 15 shekels of silver and 13 bushels of barley. He put her clothes on, led her by the hand, and said, come with me, my love. Stay with me for many days. You shall not play the harlot, nor shall you have a man. So I will also be toward you. Grace and mercy. Do you know them? Grace and mercy. Sometimes it's just the little things that need forgiveness. Sometimes the occasional sharp word or angry accusation. But sometimes the big wounds. The big wounds. The big wounds take longer to heal. Require patience. There's no way to avoid them. When the devil reminds you of hurt, encourage yourself in the Lord. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Forgiveness doesn't mean now, church, that we must suffer in silence. Open and honest communi communication demand we share what is on our hearts. How we feel, share the wrong done to us, and how our partners can help us get over it. Say it lovingly, say it kindly, but you're obligated to share what's on your heart. God hates evil. God can't condone evil. But God, though he hates the sin, loves the sinner. God wants to do something for marriages today. He wants to do something for our relationships today. This kind of enduring love, it's what we need. That's the kind of love we need in our marriages today. The greatest predictor of marital satisfaction and longevity in marriage is the presence of three key elements. I told you them this morning. I'm going to tell you them again. Three key elements. First key, is there trust in your marriage? The Bible says, what shall I do with you, O Ephraim? What shall I do with you? O Judah, for your loyalty is like a morning cloud and like the dew which goes away early. There's no loyalty in the relationship between God and his people. In our marriages, we need to have trust. But there's none between God and his people. The second key we need to have in our marriages is we need to be emotionally available. Are we available? 
Do you take time for your busy schedule, from doing your own thing, to pause and give your full attention to your spouse? Well, the Bible says, because that's where I found it, the Bible says when Israel, God talking to Israel, when Israel was a youth, I loved him. And out of Egypt I called my son, Hosea 11.1. 1. I led them with cords of a man, with bonds of love, Hosea 11.4. How can I give you up, O Ephraim? How can I surrender you, O Israel? But there's another key that we need in our marriages. I told you we need trust in our relationships. We need to be emotionally available. But are we, are we sensitively responsive? No, all of us are responsive. We can be responsive. But are we sensitively mindful of the other person's feelings? Are we willing to be less condemnatory and judgmental in our marriages, in our relationships? God says, the word of God says, return, O Israel, to the Lord your God, for you have stumbled. Why? Because of your iniquity. God is talking to Israel out of his love. He wants them to come back. He's pleading with them. We have got to take our festering hurts, those we have been harboring in our hearts, and take them to the foot of the cross. Do you want freedom in your marriages? You've got to be able to forgive completely in your mind. And your mind, rather, will be released from the bondage of resentment. And you will be free to grow. I'm saying to you today, God has a plan. God has a plan for our relationships. God has a plan for our marriages. God has a plan for our spiritual needs. God has a plan for all our needs. God wants to do something special in our lives today. That's why he says, God, the Bible says, God was in Christ reconciling the world, the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did this beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled unto him. Talking about reconcilable differences. So I want to end here today. Time is far spent, I know. I want to end this here. Jesus went to Calvary. And he went to Calvary for low-down, run-around folk like us. You could turn up your nose at Gomer. But all of us are gomers, little gomers in the church today. 
When we sold out ourselves, cheapened our relationship with God, and we were found on the auction block, naked, destitute, and alone, depressed, had nowhere to turn. It was God who came and saved us and rescued us and lifted us up out of the mire and the mess and the garbage we found ourselves in. God wants to deal with our mess. He has a message. God has a plan. I'm so glad that Jesus went to Calvary. And if it were just Russ, he would still have gone. Don't try to drown your cares and your miseries in drink and wine and merry and social life. God has a better plan. He's got a plan for your life today. You can't go too far for God. Can you? It's a tragic story spiritually because Israel never actually came back to God. You may have missed that in this entire book of Hosea. They never came back. In fact, they were ravaged by their enemies. No more. Those tribes, gone. Praise God. I don't know if you get the story today. Hosea represents God. And Hosea wants, he, he was able to restore the relationship with his wife. Brought her back. But the creator of the universe, his people turned their backs on him. So you ask me, Can we all prevent divorce? I know some marriages should never have been. The truth be told. Some of them are on their way to divorce. But there's a message of hope with Hosea and Gomer today. I don't know if I have that kind of faith like Hosea, man. I don't know. Not just once, not just twice, not just three times, but three strikes, you're out, but so many times. Sounds a lot like me, Jesus. Sounds a lot like me. How many times have I promised I wouldn't go down that road and I've been so many times. And you're still there for me, Jesus. Blessing me, saving me, cleansing me, taking care of me, filling me, giving me all these things, things that I don't deserve. <laughs> and he's still there. What a God! What a God! 
That's an awesome God. Oh boy, that's an awesome, wonderful, miracle working God. A God who is merciful to the end, even when we don't deserve it. And yet, I know that there are people today who will walk through the doors of the church and not surrender to this awesome God. Leaving this place as if, oh yeah, God, you cool, but I'm not ready. Yeah, you are right. Give me some clothes. Yeah, I'm fed. I got a car. I got some things, yeah. But, 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 nah, I'm not ready. I'm not in the business of scaring nobody. God never scared me. I came on my own. God pulled me with cords of love. And I came. And the spirit, that's a gift from God, convicted me and I surrendered. God did that. And it was an awesome and still is an awesome experience. It's the best, I tell the young people this, it's the best decision I've ever made in my life to give God my life. I've never, listen, listen people. <laughs> listen, it's the best, 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 best decision that I've ever made in my life. Have I stumbled? Yes. But Jesus said, come on, boy. Come on. Walk with me hand in hand, and I'll take you home with me. Listen. Best decision. You grew up in the church. You're saying, boy, praise God for you, Pastor Lewis. You've had that experience. It can be yours too. The reason you don't have that experience is your fault, not God's. You want the power? You want the spirit to come into your life, to change your life, to change the mess that's in your life? Submit to God. It's that easy. He's saying, no, it's not easy. And that's what the Bible says. Oh, time, time. Okay. Father, let's pray. I've said enough. Let's pray. Father, there are some people in here who know the wonderful, awesome, miracle-working God you are. They know from experience. We can't necessarily fathom how Hosea could go through this unrelenting agony, this un unlikely marriage and unlikely life. But Father God, thank you for the undying love that has been manifested in your word today. And we want to have this experience. 
Touch our marriages, Lord. Come in, come in, come in, Jesus. Enter into our spouses. Enter into us. Consecrate us first. So we are not the obstacle blocking your blessing. No, Father. Father, I know you want us to give an opportunity to somebody today, right now, to say yes to Jesus. Somebody who does not have a relationship with you. So right now, while the church is praying, I'm going to ask, if you're out there right now praying, yeah, pray, church, you praying. If there's somebody here today who you heard the word and you want a difference in your life and you're saying, Pastor, pray for me. Just raise your right hand. Pastor, pray for me. Prayer. Raise your hand where you are. Pastor, pray for me. Amen. I see. Yeah. Praise God. Making a difference. Put your hand down. That's my first appeal. Second appeal right now. My time is almost done. But second appeal right now is this. I would like to know more about Jesus. I would like some Bible studies. I heard the word and I want some Bible studies today. If you're that person, just raise your hand where you are right now. Praise God, there's one. Oh, sister, praise God for you. I see your hand. Let's keep your hand up right there. Yeah, awesome. Is there someone else? Someone else under the sound of my voice. I see that little hand. Someone else, some young adult, some adult who would like some Bible studies. You want to learn more. Do I see your hand? Pray for your friend. Pray for somebody, church, who is struggling right now. I can see it. The Holy Spirit is moving. He's trying to convict somebody to say yes. He doesn't want you to leave the same way you came in. He wants to make a difference in your life. Are you here? I want to make this. I want to make it happen. Let's put your hand up. You're praying. Put your hand up. Is there someone else? I see your hand. Is there someone else? All right. I'm not going to drag this out. I'm thanking God for the word today. Amen. But I'm going to close with this prayer. Father, our God, it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. And I'm sorry for all the mess and wrong. But right now, Jesus, I'm praying that we only see you. Clear the way, oh God. Somebody right now is struggling. Somebody right now, oh God, is wrestling. Holy Spirit, break that chain so that somebody may be saved right now. Thank you for those who committed to you today.
the devil was kicked in his tail again. For we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. And yes, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And you can make a way out of no way. Father God, that's the kind of God you are. We praise you, we honor you, we thank you. Bless us, O oh Father, to this end. Thank you, O oh God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for your blood and for Calvary. In your matchless name, amen and amen. Let us stand for the benediction. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Dear Father in heaven, we thank you for the Holy Spirit. Father, we pray that we will internalize what we've heard and that it will draw us nearer to thee now father we ask for a strength that only you can give us as it relates to our marriages as it relates to the world and we know that only Jesus Christ coming into our lives in our humanly form can cause us to overcome whatever it is we need to overcome in our marriages, in our relationships. Now, dear God, we ask that as we leave this place, that you will bless us and be with us and never leave our presence. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.